Well, to our friends that are online, uh, we greet you. We're grateful that you're with us. And whether you have found us at ccmonline.org or Facebook, uh, Instagram later in the week, probably not Instagram, but little short clips on Instagram, uh, or that you're listening to us on the podcast, we're grateful that you are here with us today, uh, ready to, to pray and to celebrate and to sing and uh, receive communion together. So uh, if you haven't already done so at home and would like to serve, uh, receive communion with us later on in the service, uh, why don't you head on into your kitchen and grab the things that you need, whether it be bread or crackers or tortillas or juice or whatever you have, uh, and we'll celebrate uh, the meal in the way that Jesus did with his friends at the Last Supper. So we greet you. We're grateful that you have decided to come spend a little bit of time with us this week. All right. Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody this morning? It was nice to get that extra hour, wasn't it? Except I woke up at my regular time. <laughs> so um, our call to worship is from Psalms 23, and you can read with me. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise God. Praise the Lord with the heart. Make music to God on the ten string. Yeah. Sing to God. A new song, play skillfully and shout for joy. Let's shout for joy. Yeah. For the word of the Lord is right and true, faithful in all God does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of God's unfailing love. Yeah. shed abroad in our hearts on this day and that when we remember your love for us then we also can remember our love for you and so God thank you for welcoming us into a place of love into a place of faith and into a place of deep hope and may our hearts be open to be changed and renewed our hearts be open to that love that's being shed abroad in this room right now from the oldest to the youngest that right now wherever we feel most unlovable there your love meets us so just breathe that in church the most unlovable part of you that you would say here's where God loves God's love Amen. Hey, peace be with everybody. Yeah? And would you like to give peace to some other people too? Tell them, give them peace today and, uh, and let them know you're glad they're here. Yeah. It's our favorite part of the service where we see the people who don't want to sit down and the people who were ready to sit down before we stood up. And everybody's welcome here, right? That's right. And so sometimes we come to church um, and we realize we just need to be with people. 
Like we haven't been peopling with the kind of people that can give us life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and so you say, I want to be with the people. I want to be peopling with the people that are going to bring me life. Amen? And then others of us are like, I have been peopling all week. And the people are great. And I need some unpeopling, uninterrupted time to just love God. And so, you know, that might seem strange to you to sing a love song uh, to God out loud in church. Like, this is kind of private. This is really kind of personal. I'd like to talk to Jesus about this alone, right? But there's something that happened, right? I know, I know, I know you, John. You know, and, and I love that because this is how God created us. We are created for the rhythm of peopling and unpeopling. And this is good. So wherever you are today, however you need to be with God, just know God wants to be with you right there, right here, right now. And so, um, yeah, I've been peopling all week. I had uh, people from Italy and Chicago sleeping upstairs. I had people from Albion sleeping downstairs because they had no power. And, and you know, I want to say um, that uh, this is one of the gifts, even in a week like this and things that we're facing into, that I want to say I love being with people who don't think like me and have other perspectives that can teach me. So I want to invite um, my friend Marnie. Marnie is a missionary from Italy, and my friend Kelly, who is a missionary to Chicago and formerly, uh, formerly Baltimore. And so um, these are two of our students in the School of Spiritual Direction. You guys want to welcome them? Woo! And what you may or may not realize, we, so we have missionaries from Colombia, Cuba, Italy. We have chaplains from Canada. We have pastors from all over the U.S. that come to your church once a month to learn the art and practice of spiritual direction. And so these, uh, these brilliant humans, you know, they've already, I mean, so Marnie's a linguist and, and Kelly is like a, she's a scholar of scripture. You have to say scholar like that, scholar, scholar of scripture. And, um, and I want to say that I love being with people who have a different way of being in the world that can help me discover more about God's love for me. So our friends are going to guide us in the prayers of the people today. But first I want to read you a little quote from Scott McKnight, who is one of our teachers, a brilliant professor from Northern Seminary. He says, let's be even more honest. While we might like to think we are smothered, uh, we've, we have smothered everyone in our tasty culture, what we have actually accomplished is closer to a weird way of making and eating a salad. We like ourselves, our way of thinking, our music, our, our everything. So we separate all the difference and difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-T-S, and scatter them across towns and cities so that each group worships all on its own. Churches for men, not really for women. Churches for the wealthy and not really the middle class. Or churches for the poor. Churches for white and Mexican Americans or African Americans or Asian Americans or Indian Americans. Churches for liberals and churches for fundamentalists. 
churches for those who follow Calvin and Wesley and Luther and Aquinas and da, 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 da. Sunday morning then becomes an exercise in cultural and spiritual segregation. And this has a colossally important impact on Christian life. So, friends, I'm so grateful to be with you because you're not me. And I get enough of me. And being with you helps me to know the face of God in a way that I could not know it if I didn't look at you. And if I didn't hear your perspective. And sometimes, you know, when we hear someone's perspective, um, it can either open our hearts or close them down. So will you welcome Marnie from Italy? And will you welcome Kelly from Chicago, formerly from Baltimore? And will, I don't know why I'm saying that. And, and, and will we stand together and pray these prayers that are for all of us? Yep, these two mics right here. So let's start together this morning by reading these good words written by the Apostle Paul to his student, Timothy. This is uh, from 1 Timothy 2 in the Message Version. The first thing I want you to do is pray. Pray every way you know how for everyone you know. Pray especially for rulers and their governments to rule well so we can be quietly about our business of living simply in humble contemplation. This is the way our Savior God wants us to live. God of wisdom, as the election day approaches, we seek to better understand the issues and concerns that confront our city, state, and country, and how the gospel compels us to respond as faithful citizens in our community. Let us pray together. Lead us by faith, hope, and especially love. Holy Spirit, give us eyes that are free from blindness so that we might see each other as brothers and sisters, one and equal in dignity, especially those who are victims of violence, deceit, poverty, and systematic injustice. Lead us by faith, hope, and especially love. We ask for ears that will hear the cries of the children, the vulnerable all who are unseen and abandoned. We ask for minds and hearts that are open to hearing the voice of leaders who will bring us closer to your kingdom. Lead us by faith, hope, and especially love. We pray for discernment so that we may choose leaders who hear your voice, live your love, and keep in the ways of your truth as they follow in the way of Jesus Christ and guide us to your kingdom of justice and peace. Holy Spirit, lead us in justice, mercy, and peace. And we pray for the sick, suffering, and all those who need your healing touch today, especially, and offer your prayers. Speak your requests out to God, friends. 
lift your voice to the one who hears before there's a word on your tongue that longs to hear your voice. And together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. santificato il tuo nome venga il tuo regno in cielo come in terra che viene fatta la tua volontà in cielo come in terra dacci oggi il nostro pane quotidiano rimettici i nostri debitori come noi rimettiamo i debitori ci esporre alla tentazione ma liberaci da maligno Amen Come Lord Jesus Come Come Lord Jesus Remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And I invite you to take the bread and hold it in your hand. And so we 
we all take the bread in remembrance of that night when you lifted the bread and you said, take this, all of you, and eat. This is my body given for you. And every time you eat, remember me. And so we say together, friends, Jesus, we remember you. And will you remember Jesus even in this moment, the first time you awaken to Jesus' love? And allow that grace to just fill you. And take the bread together, knowing that we're all welcome at the table. supper was ended, Jesus took the cup and lifted it up and gave thanks and said, take this all of you and drink. This is the cup of the new covenant written in my own blood. It's for you and for all people so that sins will be forgiven. And every time you drink, remember me. And together we say, Jesus, we remember you. to Crossroads, and uh, Don already welcomed us this morning, so I just have a few opportunities to share with you before we continue our worship in the message and before we receive our offering. Um, wanted to let you know, coming up here at Crossroads, uh, well, first of all, if you're new today, we are so glad that you're here with us. If this is your first time, we would love the chance um, to meet you face-to-face. -face. I'll be over at Next Steps after service. We have a little card that you can fill out if you want to get connected. It has just a few simple questions on there. And one of them is, would you like a follow-up phone call? And there's a yes and there's a no. And if you say no, we won't visit you, we won't bother you, and we won't call you. But there are those that are saying, how do I get on the newsletter? How do I find out what's happening at Crossroads? What's going on? What is, what is this or what is that? That comes to my desk. And so I would be happy to make a follow-up phone call and answer any questions that you have, pray with you if you have some prayer needs. But if you just want to be on our newsletter and receive our text or our emails, just put, put no call, but yes, I want to be on the newsletter. And we have a free gift for you. So come on over to Next Steps after service if you would like to um, get connected in that way. 
also wanted to let you know, coming up in December, we have our baptism. So if you have never taken that next step in your faith in the waters of baptism, we would love to join you as a church community and be with you as you're baptized. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great way to show your love for God and to the world and to the community that you are taking that next step, and we want to be right there with you. If you don't know what that is and you have questions about that over at Next Steps, we have a, uh, an informational sheet, and I'll be there. I can answer any questions that you might have about baptism and what that means if you sign up. Um, also, let's see what else. Oh, we have our Christmas camp coming up for our kids upstairs. And so, yes, it's such a great, um, Stacy and Sarah and their team, they put together um, amazing crafts and, and things for our kids to just really um, journey through uh, leading right up to Christmas. And so our kids will get an understanding of Christmas and what that all means at their level. And it's just a beautiful time. Um, so make sure your kids are, are here for um, when we start that. But also, if you say, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to help with kids, but I, I don't really feel like I have the skills to teach or I don't know my Bible well enough, guess what? You don't need any of that. We just need hands and loving, smiling faces that say, hey, I can help with Christmas camp. It's a four- or five-week commitment, so it's, you know, there's a start time and there's an end time, and it might be a really great opportunity for you just to jump in and say, is this for me or is this not for me, but I can commit to four or five weeks. So if that's you, you can see Stacy or Sarah or me at Next Steps, and we can get you, or Hannah, we can get you connected in that way for our kids. And uh, so that's what's happening here at Crossroads. We're going to receive our offering before we send the kids up. And if you're in the room, our offering baskets are right up here up front. If you are in the room and you want to text uh, your dollar amount, you can text that to 84321, and that will go right into um, your giving. And then if you're um, not in the room, go to our website, ccmonline.org, and look for the Give tab, and it will give you all the other ways that you can give. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your provision and for your goodness in our lives. And we just ask that you would just um, touch our hearts and as you have in worship, that you would make yourself known to us in new ways and in fresh ways. And as we give to you, God, I just pray that you would um, just use what is given today to further the work of your love and your presence and your kingdom in our region in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. That's a surprise. Claire wanted to keep singing. <laughs> it's a shock. Somebody lost their glasses. Glasses lost on aisle three. Anybody need them? I, well, I was wondering. I figured somebody was going to borrow mine. It was either you or Claire. Anyway... Good morning, everybody. So good to be together. How cool is it to have Marnie and uh, Kelly here with us? Yeah. It's been such a great weekend, and um, God is so good. I want to uh, keep us going this morning on our core values. What's at your core? We've been talking about this for several weeks now, core values of Crossroads, and I want to jump right into the core value that we have around here of uh, unity and love. Can we get the slide up that's got this statement on it? Let's read this together. 
Every person, vision, decision, and change is discerned with love as the guiding core value. We don't trash talk, gossip, betray, judge, or malign one another's character. We do our best to keep the unity of the faith and handle all challenges with love as our native language. Love and unity will guide us all the days of our journey home. Yes, that's, that's, uh, that's Italian for guide, actually. <laughs> yes. So anyway, uh, let's read. I'm going to read this to you out of Romans uh, chapter 12. This is such a beautiful scripture. So many scriptures that could be read this morning on unity and love. Um, I mean, this is really at the core of what Jesus really left us with is that we would love one another and that by our love for one another, the world would know Jesus. Romans 12, uh, it says this, starting in verse 9, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, and be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone if it is possible, as far as it depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. Well, that's easy. We're working on it. Scott McKnight says this about the church, the body of Christ. The church is a God's grand experiment in which difference get connected, unlikes form a fellowship, and the formally segregated are integrated. Journey with unity and love. See, the church is a new kind of family. The body of Christ isn't supposed to look like the world. It's not supposed to look like a worldly family. It's a new kind of family. I want to give you three words this morning and spend a couple of minutes with each one um, around this whole concept of the church being like a family. And it, I know that even when I say it's like a family, some of you, uh, whether in this room or online, you didn't have or don't have a good family experience. And I get that, and God gets that. But this is a family that's not like that. The church is not supposed to be like even the best family in the world. This is a new kind of family. This is the body of Christ. They are supposed to live differently. 
not as a reflection of the world, but a reflection of Christ, the Trinity, the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, living in complete unity. The three words I want to give you this morning are simple. You might want to jot them down just to remind you as you go forward. There are words that a couple of them you probably use all the time. The first word is going to be love. The second word is going to be table. And the third word is flourish. Love, table, and flourish. And of course, at the center of these three words, again, is the Trinity. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that can help us love, come to the table, and flourish like scriptures like Romans 12 just asks us to do. It's only by God's Spirit that we can live into this conversation. And I think that's one of the biggest frustrations in humanity right now, is for some crazy reason we continue to think that human beings can achieve this outside of God's presence and God's activity in our lives. It just won't work. You'll just keep being frustrated. Just keep going after it. Although I would recommend none of us do anymore. So the other day, you ever been somewhere and something happens, you're like, this can't be happening. Like, it, it could be good, it's a, it could be a good thing, but you're like, this is not happening to me because I never thought I would be like this, for me, this old. Like, I never, I never, I imagine being 30. Like, 30 was a stretch. I remember when my parents were in their 30s, it's like, they're old. But then, you know, you get older, and we were at a wedding last Saturday night. Uh, one of our nephews was getting married, and we're uh, actually on Michigan State's campus, and that's where the ceremony was and the reception. And you ever been at one of those receptions, and they do the anniversary dance where they, like, every, all right, every married couple get up, and everybody gets up. You know, it's like hurting people. And, um, and you know, you're... I, at that point, before that point, I wasn't thinking about the anniversary dance, but I'm just looking around the room, and I noticed there's old people in the room. Man, it's a bunch of old people in this room, and some young people, but really old, much older than me. Anyway, so we're up for the anniversary dance, and if you're not familiar with it, what happens is then they say, hey, if you've been married a day or less, a day or less, sit down. So, of course, the bride and groom, they sit down. If you've been married 10 years or less, and they start this thing, and they start it out slow, it's every couple years, then it's every decade. And we get to 40 years, and we're looking around the room dancing. Claire and I are dancing together. If you've been married 41 years, and we or 40 years, and we look, and we see there's only one other couple. It's Claire's older brother and sister-in-law, and we're dancing. And I'm like, it, it dawns on me, we've been married six months longer than them. We are the... The, we are the champions of the anniversary dance. Unbelievable. What a mess. And it made me, I mean, the marriage has not been a mess. The marriage has been amazing. I'll get to that in a minute. I'm getting there. Just the thought of being the champions of this event, or whatever they want to call it. So, yeah, you know, then they, yeah. I, I don't know how to take this. This is a side note, not that I ever do this when I'm talking, but they're like, can you give wisdom to the couple? And I go off like, you know, preachers do and just like start saying, I don't even remember anything I said. Nobody was listening. And then Claire takes the mic and she says, forgiveness. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, 
forgiveness. Anyway, it was, it was actually brilliant, but it did make me wonder why she has to be such a great forgiver. We've been married the longest. And it made me think about, it made me think about the goodness of our life. It made me think about our journey, and it made me think about how much I love my wife and what love can do. And I began to think about when we got married. And that day, I remember clearly Claire and I getting married. I remember the day. But I also remember that when I first met Claire's family and how different we were. Like we had come into this world differently and we lived in this world differently. And then we met each other at 17 years old and we began to fall in love. And I thought about between our parents and us over 150 years of marriage. And I started to think about the Pismenes and the Lorges and the difference when we first met. And then what I had learned through those, especially those early days, and there were differences. But there was love at the core that was happening between Claire and I. They sang, the Pismenis sang, we didn't. They played instruments, we played sports. They went to plays, we went to games. They lived in the north side of town, we lived in the south. They worked in offices downtown, we worked at steel mills. They occasionally had a cat. We always had dogs and generally a lot of them. They welcomed left of center and right of center conversations, we didn't. They ran for political office. We complained about people that ran for political office. <laughs> they ate at expensive restaurants. We ate at White Castle. They went camping in wood. It was curious to me. They went camping in a wood frame kind of barracks type tent that had cement floor and a kitchen with a stove and an oven and a refrigerator. And they went for a week a year because that was about all they could take. We went camping pretty much any chance we could, even in our backyard, in our pop-up trailer. They ate kidneys for dinner. We fed kidneys to our dogs. <laughs> they loved to create meals, and we loved cake. They were partiers. We were jocks. They were Catholics. We were publics. And we think the differences created something amazing. And it wasn't too long after that, as we were falling in love, that we fell in love with Jesus. Claire loves Jesus, and so do I. Our journeys to get to our marriage and in our lives were different, and so have yours been. When you look around this room, or if you're online and you consider who might be in this room or who's even in your own house, there's a lot of differences. And those differences are to be celebrated with love and unity. And you know what? Jesus thinks you can change the world with that. And I know it's true. See, that's how the church is supposed to be. That's how the gates of hell do not prevail against the church is when you look around the room and you see people different than you but loving the same God that you love. The second word is table. 
Jesus said this. He said, all who are thirsty, come. And he also said, I'm with you at the table, even as one who serves. Halloween is great, isn't it? In this way, to me, Halloween is like the entrance point to like this grand part of the year, this beautiful part of the year, which there's a lot of table activity that goes on this time of the year. Now, at our house, uh, just in this last week, I estimate, I thought about it since Monday, we've probably had 80 to 100 people at our table in our house. 80 to 100 that have eaten at our house, eaten us out of house and home. Anyway, um, but I love this time of year and I love being at table because I love the conversations that happen and the things that I learn and how much I get to love people. I want to show you a clip, uh, if I can, of our family last Christmas. Now it gets a little bit amped up. The grandchildren get a little bit boisterous because the conversation is around dinosaurs. But you'll notice the difference at the table, but I want you to think about the table as the church and God's intent for us to enjoy being at this table called the church. Can we see this video real quick? Or are they, um, uh, are you talking about the ones with like the big, the big like crown stuff? I don't know what I'm talking about. Like those tall dinosaurs. Is that the Diplodocus or the Brachiosaurus? <laughs> that Brachiosaurus, that Blodocus. Oh. <laughs> what other? What's that's that? Herbivores. They're herbivores. That's right. <laughs> what other dinosaurs? What other dinosaurs? They eat ears. you to think about the people in the room that like to stand on chairs and raise their hand they're sitting by you or the guys that want to lean over the table and yell at you as they're proving their point they're in this room they're online with you they're out there trust me but this is God's opportunity to let us love one another see it's at the table that all of us belongs. We bring all of it. All of it belongs. Our passion belongs at the table. Our hope, our faith, our hurt, our vulnerability, our pain, our excitement, our compassion, 
our messes. Our laughter belongs at the table. Our hunger, our thirst, our tears, our generosity, our views, our care, our differences, our opinions, our insights, our wisdom, our resources, our joy, our sorrow, all of our fear, our lack, it's welcomed at the table. Our service and serving one another, welcomed at the table, needed at the table. Our love for each other, our love for gathering together, our self, our family, our curiosity, our forgiveness, our need to be forgiven, our kindness, our peace, our patience, our love for God. It's welcomed at the table, it's needed at the table. And it's at the, the table that we care for one another. And the world begins to see something that it sees nowhere else. It's at the table where God's people love one another unconditionally. Grace is at the table. Healing is at the table. Tim Keller says this, he says, the gospel creates community because it points us to the one who died for his enemies and it creates relationships of service rather than selfishness because it removes both fear and pride. People get along inside the church who could never get along outside the church because it calls us to holiness. The people of God live in loving bonds of mutual accountability and discipline. Thus, the gospel creates a human communi community radically different from any society around it. That's the table. That's the church. That's what God is hoping that the church will look like. And the last word is flourish. In John 10, Jesus made this bold statement. He said that he had come, that we would have life to the full. In other words, Jesus said, I have come that you may flourish. To flourish or to live in abundance requires a work of the Holy Spirit. It's never accomplished in the flesh. In Genesis chapter 1 is this picture of Babel where in in or Genesis chapter 11, is this picture of Babel. You might be familiar with it. I'll just read a couple of verses out of Genesis 11, and you'll get the gist of it. Because this is what we try to do in the world. But this isn't what God has invited us to. Don't forget that in Romans chapter 12, before we get to the verses we read now, the scripture tells us that we're not to conform to the pattern of the world. This is the pattern of the world, Genesis 11. Now the whole world had one language. and They had common speech. And as people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, come and let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they used bricks instead of stone, tar, and mortar. And they said, come and let us build ourselves a city, a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the people were building. And the Lord said, as, 
if as one people speaking the same language they've begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down. Let us go down. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from, from all over the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because the Lord confused their language. The whole world from there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the earth. And you get all these different languages, and you get all of these different people groups, and you get this division. But God is faithful, and God is busy at work trying to bring about the church that will, will resolve things like we read about in Genesis chapter 11. We'll be able to break the patterns of the world, and we find then in Acts chapter 2 where the church bursts forth in glory. It's birthed in the book of Acts chapter 2. We, we find this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came. It came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Remember, they're all speaking different languages, but God is doing something miraculous here. And when they heard the sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all of these men and women speaking Galileans? Then how is it each one of us hears them in our own native language? Parthenians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We heard them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them, of course. And they said they've obviously had too much wine. All of these different languages, there's this outpouring of the Spirit, the, the speaking in tongues begins, and everybody's hearing in their own language. It's not a moment of conformity. It's a moment of God endorsing the uniqueness of each person he's created. It, see, transcending differences in Christ does not mean eradicating differences. Eradicating differences is what happens when, we, when we, we're tempted toward uniformity or conformity. Getting a new mind and living in the spirit means to transcend our differences while remaining different as we live with each other. Our differences aren't to be eliminated for difference, the differences are vital for our fellowship with one another. The oddest thing happens when we think about fellowship. The very gospel is all about creating a new kind of people in the world, a flourishing people. See, the miracle of Pentecost overcomes the many different languages by the speaking in tongues, by the outpouring of the Spirit, 
but there are still many diverse peoples who become unified by the Spirit. See, nowhere on earth, and I'll just end with this, nowhere on earth is the potential for our witness more powerful than in our unity, centered in Christ. Nowhere do we have the opportunity for flourishing and abundance like we do in unity and love. Unity, flourishing, and abundance are the work of God's Spirit moving in, in the midst, and through God's people, the church. There is nothing that would surprise the world more than the church to really look like the church. And that's the invitation. And that's a core value here. And I trust it's a core value for each one of us. Amen? Amen. Amen. So here's what we want to say. We are not a melting pot. We are a mosaic. Because if we're a melting pot, we all disappear into one another, and we can't hear the voice of God through each one that can help us see God as God who is more than us. We have done God so many favors by making God in our own image and naming it as this is what God says, does, wants. This is how God votes. This is how God, you fill in the blank. I want to say we are not a melting pot. We are a mosaic. And may we know God here. And may we even be as, you know, when the um, heaven opened and God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, on whom my favor rests. And all of us could say together, Jesus, you are the beloved of God. It gets a little harder when we start to say, Jesus, I am the beloved of God. And then it goes into a whole nother level when you say, Jesus, we are the beloved of God. And the people that I took communion with don't think like me. We are the beloved of God. That's the harder part. So this is a prayer I pray all the time. You can try it at home. Give it five minutes for each movement. Jesus, you are the beloved of God. And just do that for a moment here. We won't spend five minutes today. But just look up. Jesus, you are the beloved of God. And allow your heart to swell with worship toward the one who incarnated God in humanity. Jesus, you are the beloved of God. And Jesus said that we were the beloved. And so now, now bring your gaze into this temple, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit where God dwells within you. And say, oh, Jesus, I am the beloved of God. Say that to yourself. Agree with God. Jesus, I am the beloved.
and then get really wild and open your hands in whatever way you'd like and agree with God, Jesus, we are the beloved of God. And bring in the person that is the hardest for you to believe that they're beloved. You know that person. Jesus, we are the beloved of God. There might be a whole group of people. And just say, Jesus, we are the beloved of God. And if you pray that prayer in those moves, first, Jesus, you are the beloved of God, spending time in worship here. Jesus, I am the beloved of God. And then we are the beloved of God. Something might shift in a way we've never seen in our world. Oh God, let us live the the John 17 prayer. we would be one in unity, not conformity. We would be one as you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. And may that lead us on our Sunday, our Monday, our Tuesday, our Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And may the power of the Holy Spirit be so alive in us that we actually see a cultural shift. That somehow we could recreate Pentecost again with the language you've given us. And so friends, will you pray it? Come Holy Spirit, come. Bless somebody on your way out today, everyone.